You are now entering the smoke room featuring your boy King Mac. What's up, King Mac? I appreciate you. Brought to you by the Bad Guy Radio. You're now tuned in to the smoke room. Today I have a special guest for you. I got Ozzy Ginn Jr. in the building. How you doing? I'm doing good. That's a hell of an introduction. I like that beat. The smoke room. I like that. King Matt. <laughs> I was about to be in a Migos track. <laughs> well, I wish I could rap. I'd be a, a lot. <laughs> I'd be wealthy as hell if I could. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how you doing, man? I'm glad you're on the show. I'm glad that I'm doing. You. I'm doing well. I'm glad that uh, I got invited. I've, we've been following one another a while on Twitter. Uh, you keep it real, and I'm always open to talk to baseball fans and open to talk baseball, especially White Sox. A lot of just uh, there's a lot of lunatics out there. Uh, you don't seem to be one of them. There's a lot of I like to call the no clue crew, uh, and there's been a lot of unfollowing. Just I don't know if it was a pandemic or it's just a new New wave of White Sox fans that don't have a Google for their history lessons. It's been wild out there in the world of social media. So I, 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 I love talking baseball. Um, a lot of people think that because of the sperm race that I won once in a while, once upon a time, that I'm not going to talk baseball to somebody because I'm going to come from a higher ground. I talk baseball. I talk baseball. I respect people's opinion. I'll, I'll, I'll agree to disagree. Uh, but yeah, I like I like good conversation, just honestly of. I don't try to see everything through one lens. It's a, it's a, it's a game, it's a sport. Uh, and it's a, it's a game of baseball. It's like a game of chess. Where move, you sometimes make moves that might seem like the wrong move, the right move. Just because you were trying to get somebody else to do something. That's why I think I'm so obsessed with it. Well, speaking of moves, we got to touch on the magical injury, of course. That's breaking news. He you know, On the 60-day this, this, uh, injury list now. I mean, how do you think... That will uh, affect the team. You think uh, he can be replaced, or you think that's going to hurt the team? It's going to be difficult to replace. So for the for the magical one, yeah. so statisticians will tell you that you can replace him because that's what people only look at. They look at the stats. But when you have someone like Madrigal on your team, he always has a chance to get a hit. Okay, um, he puts the ball in play. He's getting better defensively and. He was the energy of the team. You know, him and Tim in the lineup kind of changed things up. And Carlos doing really good right now. But I think they're going to miss him. You know, uh, we're going to see a lot of Danny Mendick. Um, actually, the kid that's coming up, uh, Miami Dade, former player, Goodwin, I think he's going to help him out. And I hope that he, he's not going to be Nick. But I hope that, like all the other players we brought up, that he can help hold the job um, and help it. I know Mendick's going to get a lot of it. But I'm sure in three weeks, people will be hating on Mendick when he has to get play every day. Very easy playing once or twice a week. Very hard playing Major League Baseball every single day. But he will be missed. And it's a lingering injury. Hopefully in the 60 days he can recover. You know, we saw the angle. They've been saying Angle's going to come back since like March. Uh, he finally just came back like a week ago. So it's, it's uh, the White Sox have been very injury prone. And that's why I give credit to what they've been able to do competition-wise because they're missing a lot of key pieces. Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird season. I mean, they got now three of their top guys down for a significant part of the season. And 
it's kind of weird because they still like top two in as far as wins and, and losses in the American League. I mean, they're putting up pretty decent numbers stat-wise as far as offensively. I think they on base percentage as a team is top 10. They OPS as a team is top 10. That slugging is even top 10. I think the only thing offensively they really not top 10 in it is the home runs. But I think it's a pretty balanced team. I like the athleticism of the team, and I think that's really helping them cope with some of the injuries because they can score in many different ways. I'm just going to miss him. I was a big Magical fan, number one, because he's a small guy. You barely get to see those type of guys in the league. And then number two, because he can make contact, uh, you know. And I'm a believer that contact still matters. You know, I think strikeouts are not great, especially when you got guys in scoring position. I think it's always good to have those guys that can put the bat on the ball. So I'm going to miss him as a fan, and I think the Mm -hmm. team going to miss him. You know, there's so many bad defenders out there that when you put the ball in play, you know, the play that he got injured and he could have beat it out. And I like that because White Sox fans just love home runs, man. We're, we're so used to teams being built around home runs from those 2000s that any team that doesn't hit, you know, 200 home runs, we think they're a bad team. It's a balanced team. It's a balanced team between power. Again, we're missing the best power hit on the team, so I'm not surprised that the power numbers are down. And no, White Sox fans, is not Pantera. It's Eloy Jimenez. Eloy's going to hit 40 home runs. You're looking way out of bed and roll out and then hit But you know, I know that. That's a fact. That's he can do that. That's the type of player that he is. A couple guys are gonna grow. Um, but again, I, I'd rather take a guy, you know, like a Tim Anderson and, and have him hit 25 home runs but hit 300, 300 plus, than have him hit 35 but hit 190. You know, not to knock on Javi bias, but I don't want that. I don't want a guy that's hitting 150, but he hit 40. It's like call oh, good. Good for you, bud. Because you're not always going to hit him with runners as a fourth position. I like to see guys score, but it's a, it's a really good it's a it's a really good team. And I think the best job they've done. I think that the guys that are coming off the bench, Lamb, Mendick, freaking Billy Hamilton, uh, they've done a really good job. Tony's done a really good job of playing them, of moving them around. Because this is something that's funny. White Sox fans like they automatically made this team like they had the best bullpen in Major League Baseball because somebody told them on paper that it was. It's like six guys that had never played in the big leagues before. They played in a 20-game season. So, like, there's a lot of guys that were there that are, like, you know, that didn't really have a name that I knew that it might take them some time to kind of adjust and in a longer season. But that's the issue. I think that fans were overhyped. But this team has been able to survive with a lot of key injuries. They've been able to hold on. So I, I think that it's this is a team that should make the playoffs. And I always say this. When, this, when you're in the playoff in baseball, anything can happen. Anything can happen, and that's what you need to be. You need to be in the playoffs for something to happen. Um, are they going to win the World Series? I don't know. Um, they're not that good that I'm saying, yeah, they're going to win the World Series. Look at this. We picked the Yankees to win everything. They might be sellers and not even be in the playoffs. So, again, everyone that predicts anything, this is not the NBA. Uh, this is not the NFL. Baseball is very hard to predict, and I think the White Sox are in a position that they're going to go for it. Um, I don't think that they're going to make crazy trades. I think they should have in the 20-game season because, you know, you don't know when you're going to be in the playoff again, but we'll see how they try to replace. Again, I think it's going to be a lot to do with the injury report. Who's coming back? Madrigal, 60. Eloy, is he going to come back? Pantera, is he going to come back? Because you're just not going to add just to add. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point. That's one reason why I don't like the baseball perspective stuff as far as like when they come out with all these projections based on all these different uh, metrics they look at. I think baseball is a year-to-year business. It's a performance-based business. 
And I'm always going to say it's a situational game. So it's kind of hard to say that a person is going to do this, this, and that because there's so many different situations in baseball. But this is kind of a weird season because the White Sox doing well, but yet most of the fans are upset because who are the who the manager is. And to me, I think you got to get a guy credit. I mean, you brought up a great point with the bullpen. They got guys who really not performing down there. You got Marshall, his ERA is above five. You got Foster, his ERA is above five. You got Cody, he down there, his ERA is six. I mean, he's got really maybe two guys he can depend on, maybe. You know, and Bummer hasn't performed really well this year. I think his ERA is probably like in the fours now. So you got to give him credit. I mean, he's done a good job managing what he has, which is all you can ask from someone. So this is a fan base that I have a Twitter that 59% of them agreed that Rick Renteria should be continuing being the manager. Rick Renteria was a guy that brought Carlos Rondon in from the bullpen. Same pitcher, okay, in a high leverage situation, and it was a disaster. Tony's the guy that made him again a starter, okay? That's, that's the type of management stuff. Uh, Mercedes has been with the White Sox roster forever. Breaks camp with Tony's – maybe he doesn't break camp without Eloy, but he does it under Tony's tutelage. Um, Billy Hamilton, the bench, you know, keeping the guys fresh. I think that when we're on Twitter and we're on social media, people are managing the current play that's happening at that moment. But good managers, okay, they're managing three, four, five innings ahead of you. Okay. Um, there's a lot of times that when you put a play on and it's not executed, it makes you look bad. Okay. Uh, again, I'm not a, I'm not a guy that says, there's two things. I'll give you two things in baseball. I hate when people say they announce that this is going to be a starter. Uh, this is going to be an opener and not a starter, meaning I'm going to take this guy out of the two innings because why are you going to tell them your strategy? I hate when people say bunting is dumb. I'm going to take him completely out of the realm because that's a part of the strategy. It's like when you're playing chess and you say, you know what? I'm just going to give my bishop away. I'm not going to play with it. I don't really see any use to it. Bishops, the, the, the statistics of winning with a bishop is just so low. You have to have the, the board in front of you and play the matches and do the strategy. Um, again, it's like I said, a game of chess. You can lay out a game of chess and say, you know, this move moves here. And, like, you can play it all in your head, but you're not uh, – it's like chess, like a war. It's not always going to go that way. It's not, you know, guy. a guy might be a little bit pressured. A guy might, you know, be overhyped. A guy might be going through injuries. And that's when you need to know, you know, what you, you, what you have in guys. You know, and that's – and I'm going to be honest, man. Tony's doing a really good job. It usually takes you a couple months to kind of know your guys. How far am I going to take you? Uh, you know, how, how much am I going to hold you? And the part that's interesting about that is that, um, yes, the game has changed because in, there was a time in baseball where guys, their job was to just go all out and they didn't care. You can really push them. You know, you rode the horse as hard as you could. And in today's baseball, you can't do that. The horse is weak. The horse, the horse is soft. You got agents calling players. Oh, no, I can't do that. So you got you to gotta, you gotta ride them a little bit different. That's when people say, oh, but Ozzy would have been a great manager on this team. I'm like, I don't know. Tony would have been the same way. When Ozzy was managing, those guys would have ran through a wall for Ozzy. You know, they were just they, they, they knew what a guy. I mean, Ozzy's job was just, I need to keep them healthy and happy. In this team, you know, I don't think Ozzy knew any – I don't think Ozzy, if you gave him a list and said, how did anybody on your team vote it? I don't think Ozzy knew. You know, I think today Tony's dealing with a lot of stuff. I think not just Tony, a lot of managers are like, oh, I don't – off the field stuff that you have to be, you know, think about that when you're dealing with the situation. So we're going to take some time to know because it's not just Tony, you know, Tim Anderson wasn't going to say, Oh, he's my best friend coming in. Tim Anderson didn't carry 77 or 102 or 28. He, he needed to be caught. 
when there's a new manager, you need time to build that trust and say, hey, this guy's a real deal. The difference is when Tim Anderson Google, you know, uh, told me is that, yeah, this guy's won a couple games, managing with some really good players. But I don't think it's ever been an issue in the clubhouse uh, whatsoever. And, and the reason, again, if the players got an issue with him, the players are the ones that got Ricky Renteria fired from the team. You know, because the team, everybody kept saying it's a great team, but they have no discipline. You know, there's like a wild bunch running around there. And they needed to bring in a disciplinarian and someone that kind of like put the team back in. And again, I know people talk about fun, but to me, the only time that's fun in baseball is when you're winning. Okay, I've already had enough uh, water cooler pouring on yourself and losing, you know, 90 game season. I think that to me, winning championships, winning playoffs, playing meaningful baseball, that to me is more fun than any marketing or any play that you can do. This is not Elvis night, okay? When you're a baseball person, you go on the W's. And at the end of the day, you know, I guess I'm the 36-year-old boomer, but there's ways and there's things that this game I played that, that are changing. And again, now people, you know, casual fans can just go out there on Twitter and pretend that they're, you know, that they know so much more. And, and and again, the media has so much power. They flip and spin things. It's just not. I just got my boy Lawrence home to admit to me on Twitter that he hated Tony. I said, good, just say it. Just say, I don't like Tony Russo as a person and don't try to hide behind baseball. I try to get Bernstein to do the same thing. Don't use baseball to say, I don't like Tony. For whatever reason it is that you don't like him, but don't do that. It's like me saying, oh, I don't agree with Lucas Giolito political-wise. Like, what are you saying? But I'm talking stats. Oh, my, this is FP, whatever is horrible. And I just, anything Lucas does, I'm just critiquing because I don't like Lucas in a personal level. That can happen with any player. Just say, hey, man, critique them off the field. And critique them on the field. I'm a baseball person. I like talking about stats and what they can do. What they do off the field, that's a whole, I'm judging them in a completely different way. And also, I don't talk about it because that's nobody's business. So I'm talking baseball. In a baseball sense, I think that this team has done a way better job than I thought that they were going to be doing with the injuries that they sustained in the beginning of the year. That's that's the God on the street. Because I never thought Minnesota was going to be this bad either. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a great point as far as, like, uh, the new kind of White Sox fan right now. I think the old school is kind of leaving now as far as we just care what you do on the field. We don't care about your personal life. As long as you perform on the field, we're happy. I think now fans, the new fans, are kind of more in tune with, well, what is he politically? Is he right-leaning? Is he left-leaning? And based on what he what he is as far as with his politics, that's pretty much how I'm going to judge him. I think that has to kind of get out of sports as far as if you want your team to be good because what should matter is what a person does on the field. You know, I think most of the criticism of TLR has everything to do with off the field and nothing really to do with on the field. I think it's a mixture of they wanted Hinch, a lot of the people, and then they didn't like the fact Tony La Russa had his off the field dealings. Which well, you, got, you, got to, you got to do you guys again. I'm not promoting DUIs, but mm-hmm. like, there's policy managers that beat their wives. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the reality of it. Like, we've had issues on teams. That's not a good thing, but it's happened. I'm going to give you a quick one. So, Tony, again, it's a different time. People just upset on him. When you judge a manager on what they've done on the field, if Tony had had issues with players in the past, not controlling the clubhouse, doing things that were crazy, I accept that criticism. The AJ Hughes situation, okay? If AJ Sabine's name was Pedro Guerrero, okay, he would be banned from baseball right now. The only reason Alex Cora has a job is because AJ Hinch got a job, okay? It was so public. And it was like, going to be so obvious because AJ Hinch, okay, and you have to understand who the owner of the White Sox is. 
this very modest Okay. Someone that was against the PEDs, if you look at the history of the White Sox, we're not a team that has been involved in a lot of PEDs. You know, our, our, our Holy Grail Hall of Famers have never been linked to it. Okay. I think actually they got screwed by it. Um, that screwed us then with a couple playoff wins in the 90s. So Jerry has a thing that he, I don't think that that's his type of baseball. Okay. The way that this story was portrayed was that two grown people got a whole team to cheat. If you've been in a clubhouse, okay, when you're a when you're a manager, if it's Tony at 77, Dusty at 68, or Ozzy Guillen at 40, you're a manager for a reason. Okay. You're a good manager, bad manager. You're a heavy, you're the boss. Okay, and anything that happens in that clubhouse, okay, you're responsible for, for good or for bad. Okay. He's going to tell me if that would have happened for DJ Hinge on his first year in the big leagues. I say, you know what? He was overwhelmed. First year in the big leagues. Has no control. David Ross, hardest thing, managing your friends. You know, I could be like, man, David Ross, pleasure by his friends. They were teammates once. AJ Hinge was not teammates with anybody on that team. Okay? Number two, AJ Hinge was in his seventh big league year being a manager. Okay? The seventh. You know how many years Ozzy Guillen managed in the big leagues? Nine. So AJ Hinge was two years away okay, at that point in his career. And you're going to tell me that you couldn't go up to the ownership or to the GM and say, this team's doing this. I'm stepping down. Or I'm going in front of the media and saying, coach so-and-so is making players do this. You're so full of it. So that was one part of the reason that I think that you should have gotten a job. The second part of the reason is, but why talk about an analytical team? Okay. And this is the difference between analytical team. Just because you have fan graphs. Okay, and you can have 10 stats. Does not make you an analytical team. You literally have to do everything from the minor league system all the way through and through. Okay, I know this for a fact. Two years ago, the White Sox were implementing things that were being done for teams for 10 years. You can't just can't change the organization from one day to the other. Okay, we're going to be analytical. So you're going to be a, bring a manager that is only successful because of analytics. That's a strong suit. So you're going to bring him into a team that basically cannot be controlled by Rick Venturia because Rick Venturia, I'm going to be honest with you, the players loved him. The front office loved him. Everybody loved him. But obviously, there was a problem because they didn't think that he was a guy, even though he was so great. And he got these guys to play for him. So the whole the whole A.J. Hinch thing, if you got mad at me and said, the player fans were mad and said, hey, why didn't they bring Ron Washington back? I'm like, okay, give me somebody else. But A.J. Hinch, like really, A.J. Hinch, why? Why A.J. Hinch? I think the White Sox fans should be mad. And the front office, they never gave Dave Martinez a shot. The year that he went to the World Series, the Cubs won the World Series. The last World Series manager you had was in the same scenario. Was a bet was that was a coach. The World Series team that was Ozzy Guillen, um, a guy that had history with the team. Dave Martinez goes to the Nationals. The White Sox get Rick Andrea. So you're making the bench coach from the losing manager that was losing on the other team that they got rid of be now your head coach, and you're gonna let the guy that was winning there's a coach go to the Nationals. Yeah, big mistake. So that's what I don't I, I don't like about the whole people being obsessed with AJ Hinge. I think they're obsessed with AJ Hinge because uh, I don't know why I think Ray Khan thought maybe Ray Khan that's who he wanted because there's a connection there. Steve Stone told them that's who they should want, but I really don't understand that. Like, what's the point of Jerry interviewing somebody he knew wasn't going to hire? Because at a at a level, okay, and this is something that people need to realize as a human being, maybe Jerry judges you more on you cheating in the game of baseball. Than you being a, a point one over in a DUI. Mm. That's the reality of it. 
You can't argue with facts. I mean, the truth is the truth. You know. You know what I mean? Like I come from a I come from a culture that I'm gonna say if my wife, you know, if you told my wife you did time in jail, she would look at you like you got nine heads. You know, like oh my god, like that guy was in jail. And I come from a place where I'm like, that's not a big deal. Like they made a mistake. It happens. You know, I have a way different background than she does. But that's people judging. You know, I judge things that she might not see as judging completely different. I feel like that's when you're an owner, that's where you're at in a personal level because you have to deal with them. And again, I think that people are just surprised that why size decisions are made this way. They've always been made this way. And a lot of teams make them be this way. You never know. Owners are not going away and saying, okay, Johnny, you make all the decisions and I'm going to let you spend $500. It doesn't happen. Okay. People have conversations, people have meetings. And it is how it is. And I think that, you know, people just hate Jerry. I think that uh, the last dance didn't really help him. You know, it was like the last dance came out. <laughs> Jerry broke up the Bulls. The White Sox were bringing Tony back. It was just up in arms. Like, you know, this is the reality. Like, it is what it is. And again, I think I feel bad because he's never been given a shot. Okay. Um, from a baseball standpoint, the managers are going to make mistakes. When you look at the stuff, uh, managers are going to make mistakes. But I think they've done, I think he's done way more better things for the team than he has are the team. And I wasn't, and I wasn't, trust me, I was not a fan of the last guy that was a manager. Because I thought that the guy that was sitting in my living room was a better manager than, than, than Ricky Renteria or, or any, any, pretty much anyone sitting in their living rooms that was a coach or a manager before it was better than him. But, with Tony, you know, you understand the moves that he makes. Trust me, he's looking at the numbers, and he's got these guys to play. So, is this a hundred game winning team? Not with five, not not with this many injuries. I don't think they are, but they're still in it. Yeah, I mean, shit. AJ Hinch made a huge mistake against the White Sox when he put in the lefty versus him. So you're right. I mean, every manager. You can second guess or say, well, this guy made a, a, a bad decision bringing this guy in the game, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, like we'll, I say, we'll in five years, we'll see in five years how good AJ Hinch the development of a of a system and how many guys he's going to get to the you know to the next level. And again, everybody deserves a second shot. I wanted him to get a second shot because then I knew uh, Alex would get a second shot. Um, I don't know AJ Hinch on a personal level, okay, but I don't like the way that he. If AJ Hinge would have said, I'm completely responsible for this cheating, we all got caught up in the moment. Okay. We weren't the only ones. You can believe it or not, but we all got caught up in the moment. We wanted to really win. And we're baseball players and we're baseball people. And we always are looking for the advantage. We're always looking to gain that edge. We're always trying to take that one foot to second base. I would have said, that's fine. You know, I would have said, AJ Hinge, do you, boo? You wanted to get a ring. It is what it is. But don't go out there and have Tom Berducci interview you and you're crying and saying, oh, players, could I couldn't control Altuve. I couldn't control Beltran. Beltran's an old dude. Is there getting 40? I couldn't control Beltran. So Beltran, you're going to get fired, bro. You know, you know what's funny about that is a lot of White Sox fans, they killed Tony because they say he threw uh, Mercedes under the bus. But here, here it is. They wanted AJ Hinch who threw – Five, six, seven, eight, a whole team. By the way, AJ Hinch, Hinch, Hinch threw the equivalent of Daryl Boston under the bus. <laughs> the first base coach said, the first base coach, this is his team. So you're going to tell me the first base coach is telling you what to do on your team? Like, how big of a wuss or this, this is embarrassing. Yeah. Because I would go up to the front and say, hey, this guy needs to get fired mm-hmm. because they're doing this and this is not going to happen under my watch. It happens all the time in baseball. You know, and if you have the relationship with Lumhau, 
okay? But I know people that were in the organization in Houston. I know there's so many weird things that happen. There maybe other things, but you didn't own up to it. I love when Alex says, "Hey, I own up to it." I was a part of it. Was I part of it? No. And Alex, you know, Alex has seen us to the faces, and you know, he knows that he's been wrong um, because you know he gained an advantage, and so the people in baseball are like, "Damn, you, you guys are really that good. You guys didn't really have to do that." But I, I get it from a competitive level standpoint. Just don't don't power it out and say, "Oh no, it wasn't my fault." It was you're the boss, man. You're the, I think that. I'll give you an example, man. The rule, the day that Tony forgot the rule. Okay. One on second. Mm -hmm. I wish that I was next to Tony because I would have said, hey, tell him that Hendricks was a great track star in Australia. And you've been seeing him running and you're like, this guy's the best base runner we got on the team. Okay. There's no one better than him. He runs the bases better than anybody. You guys put a monitor on him, and this guy is just – he might be the best space runner on the team, okay? And some idiot reporter will pick it up and say, oh, he's a genius. He's a very dramatic move. But Tony's just – I don't know if his age or he just didn't care. He, number one, he didn't throw any of his team, like his coaches under the bus. Because trust me, if I'm the manager, I'm walking in there and saying, where the F were you guys? Let me die out there. This new rule change. By the way, I don't think the, the, umpire, the players didn't even know the rule. Because I was, I was confused. And I watched baseball. And I said, oh, man, the pitcher can always be changed. Again, people are like, oh, my God. Tony should have said, hey, you know what? I thought he was a great track runner. I still don't get why Tony hit the pitcher. And I've asked him this a thousand times. Why did you hit the pitcher at an eighth spot and the next guy in the ninth spot? I still don't get it. But that's who he used to be. And I think now he's not that guy in the sense that he's just really wants to be honest and just run his team the way that he does. And at the moment he said it was my fault. I'm the manager. He didn't throw anybody else under the bus. He didn't throw the Mercedes under the bus in the sense that he could have said, Jay, uh, the Q and, you know, should have said the side. Didn't put it on him as a third base coach. Um, he took the, you know, he took the bait with the Lucas Jolito and asked about Lucas was gassed. If it would have been me, I said, where's my pitching coach? I just got here. I'm 77. You know what I mean? Like, like, but he's never done that. Okay, he's never gone to the media and said three of my best hitters are, are hurt. What do you guys want me to do? Yeah, he makes no excuses. He makes no excuses. He's got you know, Liam, Billy Hamilton, and I'm saying this like if I was a jam, like if I was if I had as much power as Tony LaRusso had. Okay, meaning like Tony's there. He's he's very solid in his position. I'd be calling out the front office every day. Like, yeah, we're battling, but you know, we could use the help. Sending hints, and he's never done that. Not even once. You know, he's never he's never gone against the grain of like, man, what are they gonna make a move? What are they gonna do this? Like, why can they sign someone? He's 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 been very uh organization friendly. And that's great because that's weird. So I think that when people talk about that, like I think he's been very stand up and he's just taking all the you know, all the jokes, all the uh, all the criticism, all the hatred. I, it's okay to say that. By the way, I was so embarrassed at WGN. I'm gonna say it, okay? Southside of Chicago. Chicago in general, because you didn't even say stop saying Chicago in general is a very dangerous place now. People are losing their lives left and right, you know. And WGN is on a special investigation on a baseball manager that we already know all we all know what happened. Okay. And they sent some guy to do a special investigation to get the DUI team. At this point, I'm laughing. Okay, I thought it was hilarious. But I'm like, you guys spend all this time here like doing like breaking news, and you guys there could have been you could have used that time to share a, another story or help catch a criminal. But you're here worried about what was Tony saying when he got his DUI? Probably some dumb stuff. Oh, he was drunk. 
Or how about a positive story about, I mean, the White Sox organization, what they're doing with right. the ACE program or... The ACE program, you could have done the ACE program, you could have done what Tim Anderson does off the field, you could have done what Abreu does off the field, mm-hmm. you could have done Lucas Jolito, what he does off the field, you could have done so many different things. You could have talked about, you know, what Tony's doing off the field with the White Sox organization, what Kenny Williams is doing off the field with the White Sox organization. Just in general, okay, you could have showcased high school baseball on the south side of Chicago, which is probably one of the meccas of African-American players born in the United States uh, right now in the feeder system of the game. There's so many different things that you could showcase. You could have had a one-on-one with Tony and T.A. You know, what's the bond? I see T.A. I look – I'm not saying he's Ricky Henderson. I see glimpses of Ricky. Like, if T.A. ends up being a guy that has a career that looks at the level that I think that he could have it if he stays healthy – you have Tony LaRusso managing two prominent African-American players in their prime of their career. How many people get to say that? Like this guy, man, is Ricky and literally like the resemblance of him like 30 years apart. That is something that has never happened. Mm-hmm. But except in the case of like Phil Jackson, Michael and Kobe. So like there's so many stories and angles that you can grab there that there's a lot more positive things that you could go to than, than go against. Yeah. Okay. What can Tony teach this team at 77 years old? Mm-hmm. You know that they can learn from him. That's the part where I think that you, you know, that the team and with Tony, that players, the fans don't get. They're like, oh, right now, like right now, like we we would want Ozzy. No, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, you wouldn't because Ozzy might have a team rule that you might be against. Yeah, okay? I mean, you you make a great point. I mean, like I know Jerry get killed, you know, for not spending a ton of money on players, but. Just me growing up on the South Side, seeing how, you know, the White Sox Ace program have coaches from, you know, Harlan High School and all these different CPS schools on the South Side. And these guys are the one helping the White Sox Ace program, coaching these kids. And you, like you said, on the South Side, you got the black mecca of baseball. You got Simeon High School. You got Morgan Park. You got uh, Harlan. You got... Kenwood and all these players that play at these high schools come through the White Sox Ace program. And these coaches are coaching at the White Sox Ace program. And I mean, it doesn't get enough credit. Uh, They don't talk about it enough. And I mean, when you talk about blacks in baseball right now, majority of them are coming from the South side, from a so-called cold weather state that, you know, a lot of people look down on when it, comes to baseball but it's just a beautiful thing man and i wish well, it did get his credit you know <laughs> you know what's funny they, when they use the word change the game and the white Sox drafted tim anderson okay mm-hmm. i think the white Sox and the white Sox fans hated the fact that kenny williams drafted majority of african-americans guys with huge ceilings mm-hmm. okay and they wanted the more solid college player. They wanted they wanted him to stop going after athletic, you know, guys that could end up being Bo Jackson's, Tim Anderson's, guys that weren't, you know, when you look at the makeup of Tim, guy starts playing baseball like junior year and high school, senior year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that you can see that his natural ability is humongous, but he might not be as well groomed and prepared as a kid who's been playing since he was nine years old. But the White Sox said, no, we see the potential in this guy. Okay, so they went after him. They did the same thing for a lot of guys that unfortunately didn't make it, but they've never been scared of pulling the trigger on a first-rounder African-American guy to have actually, actually when Ozzy was there, fans would hate it 
oh, we drafted another high ceiling guy. Kenny's going for a football player. That's true. Um, so now you're looking at it and you're like, wait a minute. Now you're saying change the game. You're saying all these things about fans. But 10 years ago when Kenny was like literally just drafting, you know, players that he thought that were high ceiling guys because to him it was safe because we had a really solid big league team. And he was like, I'm going to find the next superstar in a couple of years. And that's what he did with, you know, in the draft. And that's what he did with players like in Cuba, getting a guy like Pantera, you know, signing him, getting a guy like, you know, going after super athletic guys that he knows he could do a lot with. Marcus um, Simeon. He, he drafted Marcus him. Simeon, he drafted him. So again, so when people talk about like the history of the team, like where this team has been, I don't think the people that are on Twitter and social media realize that this has been something they've been doing for a long time. They, they used to critique. Okay. But now since it's feasible to them, now they're saying, oh, well, you're not doing X, Y, and Z. You're not bringing so-and-so. And it's like, well, actually they have been for a while. You just weren't paying attention. You were mad that they wouldn't get a big time guy, you know, that fits that role. And again, with the money thing, you got to be smart, man. It's when you spend that much money on a player, it could be a, uh, it could be a huge detriment to a franchise, you know, where you're stuck, you have to pay the person. Um, and again, you have to kind of just balance out. If I had to give Rick Hahn any credit, okay, because one of the things that I always stand up for Kenny Williams, I think Kenny is probably one of the smartest baseball guys in the game, knows analytics, but he's a very Church. good player. <laughs> he's a very good player developer. Uh, he built a build, you know, every year that they was with the Sox, they were competing. When you when he talks the game, he knows his stuff. Okay, the fact that you want to say that he's arrogant, you know, the, the reincarnation of Vince McMahon, that's irrelevant. Baseball wise, I've been around the guy. He talks the game. I've learned a lot from him. He's good. Rick Hahn, on the other hand, his background is a little bit different. Do I think that he's the best player development guy? No, okay, that's not his background. Um, do I think he's an analytical guy? No, I don't think that he's a data scientist, analytics guy. But he is good, and he always has been good at signing great talent at a very low level of money and being able to use that talent, you know, in a long-term run. And when you look at the White Sox uh, players and the contract that they've signed, man, they've gotten great deals, you know, for the player and for the team because they're getting an everyday big league player pretty much pennies on the dollar yeah. when there's other guys making ridiculous amount of money, mm. okay, for that you don't know what you're going to get. And that's a big risk to take. Yeah, like like how much T.A. will be worth, how much Makata is worth now. You know, how how much, I mean, Robert got injured, but how much wasn't would Robert? Guy, wasn't there a guy in the White Sox named Daniel Palka? Mm-hmm. He was like a huge South Sox, like people wore his jerseys to the stadium. Oh, and they he loved was, him. <laughs> they loved him. And what happened to Daniel the year after that? He fell off. <laughs> Gordon Beckham. Okay, Daniel Vesadio hit 25 home runs in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you go crazy and you say, I'm going to give you $300 million. You would hope it's Frank Thomas' story, mm-hmm. you know, or even Ozzy Guillen, Ray Durham, guys that played a long time for the organization. You say, okay, that was worth it. A brave. You got a brave the first year you sign up for like you know, 10 years. But even right now with the Tatis, like right now it's great because he's young, but what, what's going to happen in year six or seven? Are they still going to be that much in love with him? So that's where the White Sox have been smarter on that end. Mm-hmm. They've never locked themselves in, maybe not since Jamie Navarro. We've never, they've had the worst luck when it comes to that. Every time they put an eye on somebody, done, you know, guys that they bring over that have done well other places, for some reason they come here and they don't perform as well. So I don't think that's their strong suit. Mm-hmm. So why not stick to things that you're good? When, anytime you sign a Cuban, I'm like, even if the Cuban doesn't hit, why wouldn't you? You've had so much great success with them that why wouldn't you keep going down to that to that place? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, one thing that kind of irritated me as far as, like, with White Sox fans was, 
I didn't like the 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 smoke they used to give Kenny Williams, man. I, I thought Kenny Williams was a guy. He played the game. He scouted. He did all this player development stuff. He earned his way to his position. It wasn't given to him. They, they created a monster, okay, just like they created Ozzy. They had two guys that had a huge chip on their shoulders that got tired of reading in the media how bad they were, and they won. Mm, and then they became bigger than life, both of them. Mm-hmm. And usually baseball did not give Kenny his due when he should have won executive of the year. And it wasn't cool being Ozzy and Kenny. Uh, again, the media taking it the wrong way. That story should have been two minority guys, one from Oakland, one from Crocus, Venezuela, got to win the World Series with a bunch of no-namers in the sense that there wasn't a Cy Young, there wasn't a guy. And again, people were just like mad the next year of like, you didn't repeat. Like, you guys haven't been in the playoffs since 2000. Calm down. They won and 90 games. <laughs> correct. And again, and those that's the thing now that I look at it. Now I'm 36 years old and I look at it. And I learned so much from those times, the genius of seeing Ozzy and Kenny working together, which I think is the same type of dynamic that I think that they, they should have with Tony. And that's that, changing the game, actually. What they did. Changing the changing game. What they were doing was the game of, you know, they, they went and at the time it was a lot of home run hitting and Kenny and Ozzy kind of built a team and said, okay, this is what's going to take the bit to win. Again, they were using numbers. They were using analytics. Did Ozzy and Kenny, they're old school. They didn't think that it was cool to tell a reporter, hey, by the way, we're going to write a book how we're going to beat our opponent. They were like, we're not telling anyone. This is what we're doing. We're going to go find a guy in Japan. We're going to, you know, we're, we're, we're finding value, but since they didn't get a movie made in Hollywood, okay, um, but they were finding bargains. Like, no one was signing Jermaine Dodd, okay? AJ Przinsky was, like, the number one hated guy in baseball. Carl Everett was like, if you sign Carl Everett, you're going to get Malcolm X with Martin Luther King and, like, you know, this guy doesn't believe in, you know, dinosaurs and he's like, the he hates white people. And none of those guys were like that. You know, mm-hmm. Luke Hernandez causing so much problems in New York. They brought guys that were like, yeah. they all meshed really well. They were Yankees like, gave up on Contreras, you know. Yankees gave up on Contreras. They got, you know, Bobby James was like out of baseball because he had, you know, uh, problems in, in minor leagues with like because of his attitude. So they got all these misfits. Yeah. Dustin you know, Hermanson. You know, exactly. Like Freddie Garcia. Yeah, Seattle Freddie, wants to get rid of him yeah. because he's too wild. And they get all these guys together on a team. And they said, let's get baseball players. And they found these guys at such a low value. Because when you look at the, the how much they were paying them, none of those guys got paid till afterwards. They all got paid after they won. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, that's where I think that the greatness of them. And I think now, you know, had I known what I know now, I might have written a book about it and said, you know, this is what they do every day. You know, these are the stats they're looking at. And it's funny, man. Like, people think that Ozzy was, like, dumb or Kenny. My, Ozzy used to rip scouting reports. Okay? not because he didn't want them is because he said, how are these scouting reports this bad? Mm. Like, Kenny, like you read this, like we, we should be better. Like Mm. we're, we've been in this game long enough that this report needs to be better than this. Mm. You know what I mean? So it wasn't Ozzy hating the numbers. It was Ozzy trying to tell Kenny, I want you to be better. Mm. And they got better, you know, and they pushed and they pushed and it wasn't like they would have a meeting. I remember they had a meeting with the fielding Bible people and they had uh, Josh Fields as like a top third baseman. And Ozzy's like, I can't believe in your book when you have Josh Fields as a top third baseman. <laughs> you got to explain to me the numbers. Like you, because we're not seeing the same thing. And they were going to huge debates, but then people would say, oh, Ozzy hates analytics. Oh, he doesn't. He's just questioning, why is this there? And if anyone is going to question it, it should be somebody like Kenny. It should be somebody like Ozzy, who've been in the game that long, who know the game, who got masters in baseballs, saying, hey, why, why are we looking at this number? Is this Does this have the same value? And kind of challenge that. 
you know, of, I remember one time they said, you need to have your best guy that gets on base be the leadoff. And I was just like, okay, so, so Jim told me be the leadoff because Jimmy's the best guy that gets on base more than everybody, but he's also the guy that hits the most home runs. So how do, you know, what, what, what should I put in the lineup? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so, but again, no one had questioned those things. And I think that when you're in that part of the industry, you have to question, you have to have the, the manhood to question back and say, why are we doing this? You know, Kenny would sign someone, why are we signing that guy? And it wasn't from a point of like being mad or being like arrogant and vice versa. It was more from like a challenging standpoint of like, let's get better. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's be better as an organization, as a team. And I think they had great years under that, even though they got one world series, but as an organization, man, things were running. They did a really good job of, you know, of, of through that time. And I think that's what makes a team better and fans kind of never see that. But I think most people look at the negative times of, of Ozzy and Kenny together. I don't, I see all the good times. Uh, there was a lot more better times than bad times. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, but two great baseball men that got the best out of one another. That's my opinion about them working together um, and what and why they were able to win that one championship. Well, I mean, I was, I'm always kind of respect Jerry anyway because I think he did something that nobody else has done. He won with a black executive and a manager from Venezuela. I mean, that might not ever be done in the history of baseball again. When you're talking about changing the game, that's changing the game. Oh, yeah. So this is funny. So so Kenny didn't have a guy. So Jerry, so Kenny inherited Jerry Manuel, okay? And Kenny was set on a manager, okay? Just like in the situation with Tony DeRusa. And Jerry said, please interview Ozzy. And the word was that Kenny had his guy. And he said, keep an open mind. And in that interview, Kenny said, okay, he, this is the guy. Okay. Jerry was taking a huge shot. And so was Kenny of like, my first hire is going to be a Venezuelan manager with no big league managing experience. Okay. That was a story because Kenny's other option was Cito Gasson. Um, which again, his credentials speak for themselves, but he took that chance. Jerry took that chance. I think that that's the situation. What happened here that they had, like, this is the guy that we might think. And then once they talked to Tony and they really looked at it, said, maybe this is the right move that, you know, with the way we got to go. We don't know what that conversation was like, but I think that, you know, Jerry took a chance on Kenny. Kenny took a chance on Ozzy. And I really knew that he won him over because, you know, Five years earlier, I don't think Ozzy could have even coached my leagues for the White Sox. But, and then, you know, he's managing the big, I think all that dynamic, it all happened in the right time. But I think it was because the two individuals respected one another so much in baseball. And they were able to build a team using all everything that was available to them. And I think now it's all about marketing and about, you know, meaning, are we an analytical team? Are we not an analytical team? Are we using the opener? Are we using the closer? You know, are we bringing my, and then, Everyone thinks they're a data scientist. They're not. All you are is data literate. Okay. You're reading a spreadsheet. You're not writing the algorithm. Who am I to tell, you know, well, Tony, if you bunt, you're giving yourself this many chances less of you winning a game. That's a probability. That's like going to Vegas and putting a bet. And it's based on averages, though. It is, exactly. So it's like, okay, so you're telling me that when I put a bet on an underdog that I'm never going to win. Exactly. That's what you're telling me. Because probability, that's why they got minuses and pluses in betting. 
okay, and they have odds, but that this is sports, this is life. That doesn't always happen. Yeah. Okay. And again, when you look at Jermaine Mercedes, mathematically, what he has done is pretty much impossible. Mm-hmm. You know how, how hot he was, but what are you going to do? Not plan because well, the math says that he will not get eight hits in a row. No one's ever done that. No, you just ride the hot hand. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's the part where it's like, if 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 at the end of the day, you still got to play the game and the, and the game that is played in between the lines is what's going to tell you who's good and who's bad. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to tell you what to do because it's a situational game. It's going to present the opportunity that, of what you need to do as far as when it comes to making decisions. But I never like the average thing because you lumping Bad, you lumping teams in who can't bunt with teams in who can bunt and with teams in that's in between. So that means you got averages of the good, the bad, and just regular. So how can you base a decision off that? Because the bad teams that can't bunt is bringing that average down. It's bringing that probability down. So, I mean, do people ever think of that when they just look at numbers? Do they realize, like, this is the totality? Of what's going on. And in that totality, you're going to have two extremes. You're going to have the real good, the real bad. You're going to have the in-between. You know, and I don't think they look at numbers like that. Or or at least it seems they don't. Because they just take an average and say, you know what? This is a bad decision. I, I don't understand how you can do that. And, and I just don't view the game that way myself, you know. For sure. For sure. And that's the way that, again... I think that you still have to perform and be have the game in the middle and play it on, on, you know, in between. I I still think I can't say anything bad about a team that's leading first place. I, I just can't. It's just really hard. <laughs> yeah. It, what, what do the results say? But I had a debate, you know, with someone, and, and we was talking about this roster versus the old five roster, and I said that this current roster. It's probably better than an 05 roster. Do you do you agree with that? Player wise? Yeah. Man, player wise, I think that this team has more talent like like potential wise. Um, you know, when you look at this team on paper, there's just the guys that are when you look at the ability of what Tim does, can can do Moncada, um just mining with his bat, uh Abreu, it's a very very solid team. Um and just the bullpen, the velocity of what they have. Yeah, I think that it's a very comp, it's a very, it's on paper, it's a very scary team. Again, comparing teams and, you know, that 05 team just literally rolled to everybody. But on paper, there's a lot of guys that we could be talking about in five years that are going to be, you know, MVP candidates. I think that the, the 05 team is a little bit more mature. But yeah, the, I couldn't, it's hard saying who would be who, but this team has got a lot, a lot of talent. Yeah, I think the pitching style for 05 is probably better. And I say that just because of that mentality of they wanted to take the the ball deep into games. They wanted to pitch into the 7th, 8th, ninth inning. I think some guys on this team, this current team, they don't have that mentality of they want to go deep into games. But I believe, you know, position, as far as position for position, I mean, of course, nobody's going to beat Frank. You know, but I think you could take a Bray over Canerco. I think a Bray was a better player than Canerco. I think you could take T.A. over Juan Uribe. 
I don't know if you'll take Madrigal over, you know, a Gucci at the time, what he did in the old five season. Third base, you would probably take Makata over Creedy. I think right field, of course, that's Jermaine. Die center field, you probably taking Robert over Rowan. And uh and left field, you might take Vaughn over over Scotty Pye. Some people might, especially because Vaughn got the uh the power. And catcher, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that's gonna take Grandel over AJ because of the on base percentage. But me personally, I'll probably take AJ Przinsky. So I mean it's an interesting debate when you look look at the team just talent for talent you know for sure it's again it's it's one of those things that when you look at on paper again this is why i think vegas had him so high i think that why tony took the job you like why wouldn't you want to manage this team like it's a dream come true you know when you have so much talent and again guys that are like in the it reminds a lot of like the oh uh three marlins again another winning team that i got to see very closely like a lot of guys that were like you know, Derek Lee's that you knew that they were going to be superstars, but they weren't like at the superstar level. That's where I see now with the Sox. Like I think Eloy is going to be, when he comes back, a guy that's going to be multiple all-star game winners. Moncada will be a multiple all-star game winner. Tim Anderson will be more like, we'll be talking about these guys that they put really good numbers in their careers. Vaughn, you know, Madrigal, like these are going to be guys that are going to be around for a while. That's the way that I see it. Will they win 11 championships? I don't know. You know, the Cleveland Indians never won one and they were stacked. Uh, but you can't really tell. But this, this is there's a, there's a lot of guys on this team that are going to have a long major league baseball careers, and that's what I think is a good team. Yeah. So when you look at what are your stance as far as like traditional stats and analytics, I, I line up more with just the traditional stats. I mean, I'm not saying analytics is useless, but I think they kind of taken over the game and, and kind of pushed the game too far one way. I think it needs to, you know, come back a little bit. I mean, when you have guys that don't value contact or they saying contact is not really valuable or they saying to me, like, speed is not really valuable in the two spot, I mean, then I started to question some stuff because I think one of the things that's great about baseball is the lineup, the makeup of the lineup. I think it's a a, a science to that, you know. I think it's designed – for everybody to have a job to do and make that thing run. It's like an engine, you know. And with analytics, it's just like they try to simplify everything. Well, if you got this on-base percentage, you should hit here, you should hit here, you should hit here. And I don't think baseball necessarily works that way. For sure. For sure. For sure. And I don't think, you know, I think that analytics – so I see it. I see analytics in two ways. I see analytics – to the to build a team okay when you're putting on a roster budget the billy being like can i get value for this player what's the real value of this player i I think there's analytics for like helping a player get better okay like preparation and development um and then i think there's numbers that you can use that can help you in a game situation i think that the hardest one is the game situation one because it, it is a game situation and it's really hard for you to be like be able to say because people still have to execute. So my favorite part of analytics is how you build a play, a, a, a roster um, of um, I'll take player A over player B. So if I'm like scouting, I can say, Ooh, this guy, I'm finding a value in this guy. No one's really looking at him. Um, and he's really good uh, because of X, Y, and Z. I think that's the part where you can really find value in it. The, the game situation one, I think you have to have a mix because if you go just by one, you know, 
it might, it's not going to always work. And it, I don't think if you go either way, it's always going to work. And I think now the more teams go into like knowing the prediction of it, I think that it's easier for the element of surprise because someone speak, some people are becoming so like repetitive at what they're doing. I think the next way it's going to be like, who's going to be the most spontaneous and do something that's not planned. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think it does have, you know, some value as far as building a roster. But one of the questions that I have for you, because you can kind of speak to it because you was around a big club locker room. Are there there things like a manager does that the media, of course, us fans don't know about as far as connecting with the players, helping the players get better, kind of taking heat off players. I always used to thought that Ozzy was great in that aspect as far as, like, when the guys was getting tight, he'll say something to the media, the media focus on that and not really focus on how the team was playing at the time if they was going through, like, a a, a low or, or a losing streak or something. I mean, could it be everybody thinks that TLR is this guy that's just nuts or drunk or whatever and he's actually you know allowing his players to be loose and go out there and play the game and we're not looking at it from that perspective or you know or is it just it is what it is i i think that i think when you have the privilege of being inside a clubhouse and i think the media gets the the beat writers get to see that energy that's when they say a manager lost a clubhouse it's the worst worst that somebody can say from a media standpoint but I think that that's like your family. Okay. And everybody else can have an opinion outside of your family, but only your family really knows what takes each other off. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times when fans thought that, you know, Ozzy and the players would be going at it, players thought it was like funny. Okay. I think that's the situation with Tony. And, and I'm not saying we don't have to use Tony. I think with any manager, mm-hmm. I think that what happens in that clubhouse, the, the respect that you have for someone and the players after the manager and vice versa, that's what, that dictates the relationship that they have. And it's like a trust situation uh, between the player and the coaching staff and the manager. But I think that the only thing that matters at the end of the day for wins and losses and organization is what they think. Not what I think, not what anybody on Twitter thinks, not what any, anybody that's in that clubhouse that's around the team 24 seven, that's them. They need to be at the same, you know, drum roll. Like they need to be okay. Nothing else. Nobody else matters. That's just how it is. That's the way that I see it. Um, and they will always fix their problems, not just the socks. I think any clubhouse, uh, that's the way that that type of sport is shaped that we always, cause I'm looking at it now from the outside, you know, I'm just, I have no idea what's going on in there. I'm just, I'm making an educational decision. What I think and what we see could be completely different. That's inside. I don't know, you know, um, but I don't think that there's any issues whatsoever. I, I personally as watching it from the outside just all baseball stuff. And I think at the end of the day, that those guys don't even care, to be honest. Like they're maybe just, you know, maybe the guys that read the media, if that, but I don't see huge issues with it at all. And some guys, you know, they don't care, man. Some guys just put on their uniforms and they go play no matter what. Oh yeah. Well, I call this the smoke room for a reason. At the end of the show, I always give my guests an opportunity to hand out smoke. So, you know, you free to hand out smoke to anybody you want to hand it out to. You know what? Not smoke. I just think that um, it's really hard to cover the White Sox because everyone always thinks that I'm coming from a place of negativity. 
Um, I don't get anything if the Sox win or lose. I really don't. Um, I just want, you know, with Tony to get his fair due because, um, you know, he, he deserves, you know, if you're a fan of that team, he deserves that chance. Uh, again, just what's happening in the game. I could care less what you think about him personally. And I think from a, from a standpoint of the players, I think it's unfortunate that they're not at a hundred percent this year. Um, but I think those are things that you can plan for. And hopefully they, they get to play one season with their whole full roster. Um, Cause I think it'll be a magical one, even if they win or don't win. I just think that a full healthy team would have been really cool to see, but they're battling, man. They're in first place. There's nothing I can say about that. Um, and I'm looking at it from an analyst standpoint. Like I'm looking at the socks from just like, if I'm covering the game, if I'm looking at it from home, what I see, you know, what I've learned from the book and what I've learned from the background, uh, I'm just analyzing the game and I analyze the moves and I look at the stats the same way, but that that's it. I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not an insider, like, you know, I'm getting text messages from people. This is what's really happening. I'm just giving my opinion on what, on what I'm saying. At the time, I'm joking, having a really good time because I know the team are going to win 60 games. They're going to lose 40. That's just the way math works, and it's what you do with the rest of them. But, again, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, you have me again, and um, we'll see what the team is out there. I think they're going to be fighting all the way to October and make sure we're a playoff team. So, if they're not, it'll be very disappointing and something must have gone wrong, and I'm sure they fix it or try to fix it in the offseason. Well, I thank you for coming on the show. I, I got to say, though, I'm a fan favorite. Of the hashtag no clue crew, I do like that. I really, I really enjoy that. <laughs> it, it, it it gets me laughing, man, because you know some you be on point with a lot of the stuff. But I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I like chopping it up with you, and uh, I wish you and your family continued success. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll stay in touch, and uh, looking forward to talking to you again. It was a good time talking baseball. Absolutely. <laughs>